It's Thursday, August 29th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 266. Yup! Runtime for this episode is 59 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that believes in the right to arm rabbits. My name is Jeremy. I'm fighting a post-apocalyptic mutant. That's the only explanation I have for the color. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. I'm so glad I've never actually listened to the podcast Rabbits, because I really want to go on a tangent about it now, but I've never listened to it, so I can't. That's actually been on me and Alex's list for a while. Don't! It's a trap! Why? Uh, Because I listened to the black tapes by the same people, and I can confirm it's a trap. I've never even heard of it. Does Rabbits have the same problem? Yes. Everything I've heard. One of the podcasters I listen to, like, the reason I wanted to go on a tangent is he frequently does about their shows, because he's like, I just, I can't stop listening to them. It's a disease. Please help me. I thought Rabbits was done, though. I think it finished, but then they were going to do another season if they got, like, a $500,000 Kickstarter off the ground or something. Like, a ridiculous goal for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that failed. So no more Rabbits. I'm not sure on the details of any of that, but. That's fair. This all sounds 100% accurate to me. I don't know. I've been listening to Penumbra, and that's basically just one-shot stories, so I'm into that. Uh, there was so- the Something Archive someone was telling me was a good podcast for that some sort of thing if you actually wanted one that didn't shit the bed after 12 episodes like the Black Tapes did, but I, now I can't even remember what it's called. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Don't. Though. I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. I spend I, actually most of my time listening to audiobooks. Yeah, I also spend most of my time listening to audiobooks, but I occasionally take some time to catch up on all my podcasts, and then I pick up a new audiobook, and then I have like two or three weeks of podcasts to get through again. I still wish that there was more available, actually, like reference and resource books or history books on Audible. There yeah, are unfortunately there are very few actually history books that are like studies of specific events. If you're really into that sort of stuff, Dan Carlin does stuff, but his are like paid podcasts, but they're like multi-hour long podcasts. Yeah, they're like eight-hour podcasts on a specific history topic. Yeah, apparently he's really good. Uh, I've never listened to any of his, but he's been on my list for a while, and I know quite a few people who well, like I listened him. to one recently that was all about the Battle of Midway that I thought was very interesting. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Battle of Midway. Yeah, and I always got kind of glossed over my history classes. More it happened, and then we moved on. Well, most of the war in the Pacific is we warred in the Pacific, then nukes. So what have you been playing, Zach? Speaking of war... I played a bunch of MechWarrior Online. I did find out, like, specifically why everybody was hating on MechWarrior 5 and the epic exclusivity thing, and actually I do understand that now. So I mentioned a couple of weeks ago I didn't understand the level of hate, but turns out it's all justified because PGI basically lied about it. That's cool. They, what final- they, about? they finalized the deal with Epic while they were still taking pre-orders under the assumption that it would be available on Steam. Okay. Yep. And then weren't going to say anything about it until the beta launched on Epic, but they were forced to basically come clean because of the fact that uh, one of their like web development guys made a mistake and accidentally put the revised like FAQ thing up too early. I also feel like that is false advertising. If they say it will be available on this platform and then they change and then don't give a chance for a refund? I mean, they did give a chance for a refund. Oh, well. I'm way less irate then. I don't see why it matters. Just get your money back. I, I A lot of people did. 
I do understand why it's so frustrating, though, because if you paid for something under the assumption that it was going to be available on Steam, and then they're like, nope. So I played a bunch of that. I played with my buddy's clan again. I ended up winning two mech packs from MechWarrior Online, and I didn't really... Well, I won one, and I was given another one because somebody else who actually did win it gave it to me. And I was when they did that, I was confused because I didn't know what was going on. As, as happens. So, I, I mean, it was fun. It's always fun to to play that one. I wish the game wasn't dying, because I do think it's a good game. It's just... Like, it no longer has a critical mass to sustain itself. It's entered that death spiral where players are shedding off, and the MechWarrior 5 announcement thing didn't help because a lot of people just gave up MechWarrior Online as well. You know, Warframe is so going strong. I'm not going to pick it up. My problem is, I know I will like that game. It's really cool. I played a couple hours of it with Kevin. Everything about it is great. I just don't want to devote that amount of time to I'm it. I'm planning on playing some World of Warships, but I haven't yet because I have been spending all of my time borrowing those like four hours and the time I'm at work and, you know, a couple of other minor things, all of my free time playing Fire Emblem. Three oh, houses. yeah. How is Three Houses? It looks great. You mean Flirty Emblem Three Harems? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, the animations that I've seen in some of the trailers just look so good. I love this game. There are a couple of things I dis I don't I don't care for so much. The the lack of the weapon triangle, I'm not as thrilled about. Did they get rid of that? Uh for this one there is no weapon triangle. Huh. Um I'm not thrilled about that and the fact that any class besides magic, any class can use any weapon makes the classes feel a little bit less special. Do the weapons still have different effects? It seems like it. Like, axes still seem like they're a little bit stronger, but a little bit less accurate. Swords seem very balanced, and the lances feel like they're more accurate, but less damage. But I'm not wholly sure on that. I like the monastery. Like, training your people to make them into the classes you actually want them to be. I think that's a really neat <laughs> idea. I like how you just send them off to the monastery. Go be a well, monk. No, you're, Oops, no, you're, you're in You're in the... Uh, the monastery is basically an officer's academy. Okay. And your your character is the professor. You are teaching the students and like focusing at them in specific directions. If I could, for a second, I will let you finish. I played about two hours of this as well. It's actually like you move around the monastery in 3D. You have a character. It is a free move run. around. It kind of reminds me of some of the Dragon Ball games and that I kind of just wish it was a menu instead of having actually to having places. to walk around. Uh, the game didn't super hold my attention. I know I'll come back to it, and I'll talk about why it didn't super hold my attention when I get to play later. But like I said, I played about two hours. I did one battle, found out there was a lolly goddess in my head, <laughs> decided to team up with Princess Edgelord when I was given the choice between three different schools to teach, then invited two female students to have dinner with me, and my professor level went up. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, he's not wrong. Oh, I forgot the part where one of the people who Japan English was not their first language said that I must have a gut because of how brave I was. And one of the other female students said, oh, you can't call someone so slim and attractive. You can't tell them they have a gut. <laughs> which two characters, do you remember which two characters you invited for lunch? It was Princess Edgelord and the opera singer. It'll garden Dorothea. Is Princess Edgelord one of your students? Yes. Okay. The three different factions are led by a... Like, the heir to the throne of the three different nations, which is why it's called Three Houses. Oh, I was hoping it was just, like, a high school rivalry, and you got, like, they're just all like, Professor! Uh, basically, is oh, I also forgot about the other professor, who is an older woman that just wants to have sex with you, or at least just wants to flirt with you about it all the time. 
and is always inviting you up to her room. Checks out. <laughs> so I, I see where your previous title for the game came from now. Uh, anyway, Zach, that's all I have to say. Go on. Everything he said is not wholly wrong. I've been really enjoying the game and playing through it. There's a lot of stuff in there. I don't want to go too far into detail with some of the mechanics that I actually quite like because they're story related and Jeremy has mentioned he wants to kind of encounter them on his own. But I like the way they change things up. Like you have to give your character certification so they have to learn the weapon for a specific class in order to unlock it. And you only have a number of seals to do that. Okay. So, the the places they put them are a little weird. So, there are four different tiers in this one instead of of the two tier in before. So, like, Myrmidons. It's like, I think it's Myrmidon, Brigand, Soldier, and I think it's just Monk. Ba- are like the low baseline classes. And at the top level, almost all of them are mounted. <laughs> it makes a degree of sense. The cavalry is here. Yeah, so, they added four new skills. Because they added a new weapon, which is the Kestis. What is a Kestis? I feel like I should know this. It's like punching things. Oh, okay. Riding, flying, and armor. And that's like, those three haven't been class skills or skills before because of the fact that... They're very class specific. In previous games, you had a specific class that didn't matter. But in this one, because of the way they changed that, your characters actually have a different class. So they need to learn how to use heavy armor so because you can i guess train people to be what you want is this also kind of a squad management thing where you're like trying to build a squad at the same time kind of you can recruit other characters from other houses but it takes it's a specific thing like you need to most of them you need a specific set of skills in order for them to be interested in joining you uh, kind of back to your point about it being a school rivalry the one battle i did was the big schoolhouse battle uh at the beginning of the semester to see which house is the best. Yeah, it's a one to... tournament arc. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Fine, like I said, I find it really fun. The battalions, which come up later, you can attach battalions to people and it gives them a specific skill based on what battalion is attached to them. Oh, authority. That's the other class, the other skill that I missed, which determines what kind of battalions you can bring with you. I'm sorry, authority? Authority. That makes so much more sense. You will respect my battalions yeah you will respect princess edgelord she is a princess (laughs) i like edelgard i do too but also her name is edelgard and she's the only one of my problems with the game and one of the reasons i bounced off of it and i find this to be very true of awakening too which is probably my favorite fire emblem game now is at least at first i find all the characters to be such generic anime characters tropes, and i feel all their designs are a little weaker than in the past and you talked about it looking really good, Tyler, but to me it looks like, especially the cutscenes, the gameplay graphics are actually pretty good, and I have no complaint with them, but the cutscenes look like really bad CGI anime to me. Like, I okay. cannot imagine that the cutscene director wanted them to look like that, just that he was doing the best with what he had. And it's not like the Switch can't render real-ass anime. No, I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about. So I wrote it off immediately because it looked like a video game to me. So it the fact that it was uncanny anime instead never clicked. But now I'm not going to be able to unsee that. So thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. I love to ruin you. One thing I'll say in its favor, and this is like a weird, like it's going to sound like a negative, but it's not. Comparing this with Fire Emblem If, the last big one to come out, it almost seems like Nintendo might have tried to charge you three times for this one for each house in comparison. Because it seems like there's about the same amount of content in all three 
paths of that game if you go through all three houses. I haven't really played enough to tell, but I was looking at some, hey, stuff I wish I knew before I played this guides just to make sure I didn't make any big mistakes. And it seems like the three houses are all pretty much three different stories. Yep. That's no, I, I already knew that. Like, well, I had already come into that. And that's why I'm really eager to clear my current playthrough. And I know that there's actually a couple of changes to the, to the storyline with regards to other, like, choices that you can make in the storyline. I think that's only true for the Edelgard storyline. I'm not 100% on that, but I read something that suggested that. It made it seem like there was always a choice in all of them, but that could be one or the other. I don't know. Like, I still think that's a neat idea, and I'm not planning on going back through and playing Edelgard's storyline. I haven't decided if I want to go with the Golden Deer or the Blue Lions after I finish that one. But So I assume Edelgard is the Black Ravens. The Black the Black Eagles. The Black Eagles. They're the most edgelordy of them. Although, eh. like, all of her students are pretty... Ch- her, like, second-in-command butler dude is practically like a... He's like a black mage. Like, he's basically... He, he's like a Disney villain sidekick, but not a goofy Disney villain sidekick. Like, a serious Disney villain sidekick. <laughs> but all the other characters are super chipper. And Princess Edgelord is always like, I want us all to feel like equals here. As even you, Professor. And I'm like, hmm, this does not seem like the proper dynamic for a class. Bernadetta is adorable. I just want to say that. She's one of the characters in Black Eagles class. Gotcha. She is adorable. So, like, I would definitely recommend Fire Emblem. I know what Jeremy's talking about, and I understand where he's coming from. I never got that feeling, but it's also Fire Emblem. It's my thing. It's divided, like, at the end of each month you go through. You have a month, basically, to go through and teach your students. It's like two to three weeks or so. And then on the weekend, you pick between, like, wandering around the monastery, talking to people and associated things with that, like training you, finding lost items and returning it to them. Going to battle, or going to a seminar where other people like just teach. Okay. So your character can level because your stats also matter because that's how you kind of recruit other people. And that your character still has to clear those like the arbitrary thresholds to recruit yeah. other people. Well, your character also has to clear the uh, the certifications to change his class. So that's still a viable thing. And I very much enjoy it. I very much would recommend the game to people. I don't know, like, I haven't gotten all the way through the plot line, and there's some stuff in it that I don't want to talk about, because Jeremy mentioned it. I am going to play it, and I am going to play Black Eagles, because Princess Edgelord is clearly the most interesting character. I mean, that depends. I just don't okay. know enough about the other characters yeah. yet. By the time you have to choose, which is immediately, she is the most interesting character. Yeah, that is a problem that I think the game has. It starts you off, and then, like, right away, your choices are, like, okay, go talk to all the students. And then make your choice immediately. But you don't it's really like, have time to get familiar with them at all. But I don't you, know who any of these people are. Don't worry, the house heads all have creepy bios on all the characters. But even reading them all, they're like one, two sentence bios. So, like, there's no depth to them. And, like, I'm not saying there should be on those, because you're getting so many proper nouns at you at once, that would just make it worse. But I really wish there was more time to spend with all of them before you had to choose. Like, at least a mission with each one. That, that would definitely uh, help that out. But yeah, it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate that they decide to go the other way around, but at the same time, I am having an absolute blast with the game. No, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm going to pick it up at some point. It might be a year or two. It's but... on sale for 50 bucks right now. I know that's not a huge sale, but... But that's something. Nintendo I... games often don't go on sale, so... I actually watched an excellent Polygon video recently on why that is. Yeah, and The I... answer is basically because they can. Yeah. Because that way their games retain value, and then... 
I understand it as a business strategy. The question that I actually have, like, just going through my head is, am I going to be done playing Fire Emblem by the time Pokemon Sword and Shield come out? Why not both? Which the answer may be, I don't know. Because if there is as much content as was purported to me, or as I understand, the answer might be no. I was actually going to ask, tangentially related, whether Awakening is still worth playing these Super. Days. Awakening okay. definitely is. It's my favorite Fire Emblem. That's what I thought. But If is skippable, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people made it out to be, but it is definitely weaker than either Awakening or Three Houses. I guess Blazing Blade, the first one that we played on the Game Boy Advance. I think it might be a bit better than uh, Sacred Stones, but take that for what you will. Okay. I, don't know, I have been... decided I like Fire Emblem because of this podcast, so I should play more of them. I love Fire Emblem. It's one of my favorite franchises. And that general kind of, like, tactical combat is also something I really, really like. And you still haven't played a Disgaea. I have not beaten a Disgaea. I own Disgaea 5. Oh, really? Yeah, he's played it. He's talked about it on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I haven't beaten Disgaea 5 yet. <laughs> um, I got distracted. I That's what kept happening to me, because, like, Disgaea is fine. But for whatever reason, it doesn't hit that same level for me as a lot of the other ones do. I like just going into the item world over and over again because those are actually interesting battles that make you think. And that might be wise. It felt very much more of like I needed to be grindy and I don't think the game meant for that to happen. I haven't been playing that. What have you been playing, Tyler? A couple of things. Uh, Nothing terribly exciting. I can't remember if this had been the case of the last time we recorded, but hey, Heroes and Smash now. Which oh, is a lot of fun. I should play him. I heard people talking about if he was OP or not, but for some reason, that didn't register me as he's out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Janenbo released today. Oh, hey, also that. The general consensus these days, except for people who are still very salty about him, is that he's probably going to be like low A tier. He is heavily reliant on RNG, but I don't play him that way, really, but mostly because I can't read fast enough. So he's a pretty solid, like... He said somewhere between, like, Marth and Ike on the I hit hard with my sword scale. He's pretty slow, though. Like, his aerials aren't great, and his smash attacks aren't super solid. He's got, like, an okay air game and an okay ground game. What he has going for him, though, is his uh, recovery. Fantastic. And also can be used as an edge guard. It, like, leaves a little tornado in place. He has a, like, charge move a la Samus, except it charges up a lot faster and does more damage. And his side B is the best edge guard move, I think, in the entire game. Because it's just like Link's sword spin, except it covers like a half of the goddamn map and can kill it like 80% if it's fully charged. The downside is all these ridiculously powerful moves cost MP and he recovers it very, very slowly unless he's also wailing on you. So it's entirely possible that he does not have enough MP to recover, for example, or to do any of his useful attacks. What really makes him interesting, though, is he has a down B move that brings up, like, a JRPG-style, like, magic select menu, which is fantastic. He has, like, 26 moves in there or something, and they range from literally instant death to just warp back to a random place on stage to just, like, shoot a lame projectile to shoot a really big projectile to doing that one thing Vegeta does where he blows himself up. (laughs) (laughs) Does it include the speech, too? Uh, Trunksa! Bruna! No, it definitely does sound like Vegeta voice acted the character, though. <laughs> but only when he's doing that. I mean, it's a Kira Toriyama character, so. 
And yep. a Kira Toriyama character, I should say. No, and I love... Uh, so they're like the heroes from like early yeah, Dragon Quest. I know Quest, Dragon Quest mostly. 3 hero is in there, and that's my guy. And 2 is in there, I think. Also the one with the goggles. Is that 1 or 2? I think that's 2. But they are all very lovingly rendered in 3D, and they all look like Akira Toriyama had his hands all over them, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like he did! Yeah, well, I don't know if he helped with the 3D models at all, but whoever did, did a great job making them look like Dragon Ball characters, so that's awesome. I don't know, he's a blast to play. I don't think I'm ever gonna, like, well, okay, I will preface that, well, preface that, postface that in a second... I don't think I'm ever going to be, like, great with him, but he is a blast to play just because he's so off the wall. But he came out, I'm like, ah, like, I waited a day to go and play him online because I knew everyone else was going to. And I'm like, oh, man, he just looks like so much fun to play. So I finally did, and I got him into Elite after, like, a half hour or something, which was the first character I've gotten into Elite for a long time. I was in kind of a drought there. And then after I did that, I got, like, eight other characters in. Specifically, Robin. I think I might be a Robin main now, um, because my god, they have so many setups. You can arc fire into arc fire into an up air, and then if you're lucky, you can also catch them into an L wind after that. My god, it, the the tactics. They're I real. like Robin. It's just I'm terrible at that game, and Robin I, it feels very technical. Robin is weird. Oh no, they have a lot of options and learning. How to utilize them is hard. It's easy to projectile spam, but it's also very exploitable. Plus, you run out of spells after a while, especially against skilled opponents. You will actually run out of Elwind, which means you have no recovery for, I think it's 15 seconds is the recharge time. Oh no, Robin's a lot of fun. But I also got Fox in and Jigglypuff and one of the Mario characters whose name I can't remember. Luigi. No, I... Rosalina um, and Luma. Yeah, it was Rosalina <laughs> and Luma, I think. It was either that or Daisy, and I can't remember which. I don't know why I'm having a hard time with that. And also one of the characters in the bottom-ish row. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Joker. Joker's the other one I got in. Also, me Brawler. So yeah, more of the story. I had a really good run on Smash recently, so I might, might finally get all my characters into Elite. What else have I been up to, though? More Breath of the Wild. I finally got my sweet opponent cycle, which is less of an opponent cycle and more of like a curing cycle. It's definitely a lightning unicorn, (laughs) which is a lot of fun. It does not feel a lot faster than just a regular horse, actually. The true question is, do you have a bunch of guys running around shooting at you with fire bows? Why? That would make you a Kirin. Because that's a Kirin. I don't get it. That's what you do in Monster Hunter. Is you shoot the Monster fire Hunter, oh. Kieran, like at least how I and Kevin was hunting it for a while the same way, is using a fire bow to hunt the Kieran because it's weak to fire. Gotcha. No, I mean, I have had people shoot fire arrows at me while I am on the motorcycle, but not specifically, I think, because I am weak to fire. I don't know. Maybe I could ask them if I didn't kill them. What I do like about it, though, is that you have to refuel it occasionally, so I just like pull out a pile of monster parts and say... These will work and just cram it in there, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, so I'm finishing up all the other side quests. I'm like getting to the end of wanting to play that game. I'm like, oh, I should probably go finish this soon before I burn out on it. Just ride that Epona cycle right up the ramp into Gallon's Castle. And... <laughs> Let's see here. I had been in the middle of a challenge run on the Lawn Dark. Like my computer froze during a save a while ago. Ouch. And, yeah, and it erased my save file. I'm like, well, that sucks. I guess I'll start over. It didn't just lose my save file, it lost all the achievements I had in-game. You mentioned that. Yeah, I mentioned that, but it happened again recently. I'm like, well, 
maybe I'm done with the lawn dark for a bit, at least until I repair my computer or until they put out the new update. Or it comes out on Switch. Yeah, or it comes out on Switch. I'm not sure I want to pick it up on Switch just because it doesn't seem like the optimal environment to be playing that game. But I was playing it on the 360 controller for a bit, so maybe it's not that bad. Man, I feel like I've done something else. It's actually been a surprisingly busy week of not a whole lot of Did you play any Tales? Oh, yeah, I did, actually. Um, I got further. (laughs) I just got jailbroke. Do you Uh, have any of your companions yet? Yeah, the lady who jailbroke me. Who I assume is a seraph, or what they call Melakim in this, I think. I haven't gotten super far in that, but I don't know, it's fun. I like Tales. This looks like a pretty good one. That was the other thing. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. Capcom put out a game called Teppin. You did. You did okay. talk about that. Okay, I've talked about that. So I have a sweet Mega Man X deck in that game, and it's amazing. You apply a buff to your monsters that makes it so that every time you give them an HP buff, they also get an attack buff. And then you just have a bunch of really low-cost HP buff cards. And then you have a horde of unstoppable Jaggy. Yeah, that's pretty much that. They just released Jill Valentine, who will rocket launcher you to death. Sounds accurate. Yep. It's... A thing that does like ten pierce damage. So if it kills an and if it kills one of your units, it then also does ten damage to you. It's very easily countered by a shield if you have a shield. It's a really fun game. It's like magic light, but also real time. I highly recommend it for like some time killing purposes. Oh, that was the other thing that happened starting yesterday. I think Identity V started doing a Persona Five crossover. Sure, that's weird. Yeah, it's a weird game to do. That implies me that maybe they're doing some marketing for Persona, which means something's going to happen with it. The Royal already got announced, so. The Royal already got announced. I think there might be that Persona Warriors. I think that might be this year. But the one that's coming out on Switch, I don't remember when that was slated. I also kind of don't care. That's fair. That means I now have my 1930s football player carrying a shotgun at all times, which is hilarious. He can't use it for anything, but he has it. Also, they introduced a new character into that game, not that anyone cares. He's a pirate. Yar. Yar. He has time travel illusion powers? You know, like a pirate. <laughs> Yar. Uh, <laughs> like Jack Sparrow himself. I feel like I w- had gotten up to something else. I reinstalled Civ, and then I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. If I start playing this, I am not going to sleep tonight, so maybe later, and then I, I haven't gotten into it. I looking at Civ and being like, I want to play Civ, but it's a little bit late. It's 6. I was bouncing off of games pretty hard for a while, and I guess I still am, but I'm forcing myself to finish some up. But I actually went through my Steam library and curated them into a I'm actively kind of interested in playing this right now category and a eh category. So I've got actually like 20 games in the I should play this sometime right now. Um, Although I did also reinstall Counter-Strike, which I think I mentioned last time we recorded, and I have played an unfortunate amount of that. That is also a potato chips game. I'm too tired to want to do anything else, so I'm going to play Counter-Strike. That was it. That's the whole thing. What have you been up to, Jeremy? So I played Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. It's kind of the fastest I've gotten through a Kingdom Hearts game, both in terms of the real world time and the gameplay time. Just consensus about Dream Drop Distance is the first two worlds suck. So it took me literally a week to get through the first two worlds, and then I had a day off and beat the game. Huh. Okay. (laughs) Was the last part of it good, or is it just less bad? Less bad, definitely. I have, like, real complex thoughts about Dream Drop in that it's not fun and I can't figure out why. Because it's basically the same combat that's in, it's like a mix of the combat of Birth by Sleep and Kingdom Hearts 2 with wall kicks added in. 
And like those are the two Kingdom Hearts games I would say are good and fun and I would play again right now if they were in front of me. But something about it doesn't click. And I spent basically the entire 16 hours I was playing the game trying to figure out what it was that wasn't clicking. And huh. I couldn't. Huh, that's very weird. It was. And it's not like it's a terrible combat system. I think some of it has to do with the gameplay loop. Because basically the entire game is walk through some corridor, fight some guys, walk through some corridor, fight some guys, watch a cutscene, fight a boss. But even then, I don't really know how that's that much different from Kingdom Hearts 2. Except for Kingdom Hearts 2 has really excellent encounter design and probably better enemy design. And the corridors feel less like corridors. That's true, too. Although, to be fair, in the later worlds, that's definitely true of this, too. They've added this system called flow motion to it, which is basically just a, like, Assassin's Creed-inspired parkour system, but a lot better than Assassin's Creed, mostly because of wall kicks. And if you know anything about me, wall kicks are my jam. But there's also a bunch of combat options based on them. So if you like do a wall kick, you get access to some other attacks. That's interesting. Are they actually worth wall kicking to do or are they just variety? They're not not worth it, if you know what I mean, which is maybe what the problem with the combat system is. I feel like if I use the commands available to, to me, if I do a wall kick or if I do my regular combo, I'm in about the same boat. Yeah, and that's what I'm like. I feel like it has to pay off to go do the wall kick because you're wasting time to go do it. It's more damage, but it's like, Almost like it's perfectly balanced, which is bad, maybe. Like I said, I spent the entire game trying to figure out why I didn't enjoy the combat, and I never really settled. Probably the most interesting mechanic in it is the drop meter, which is a bad mechanic, but not for the reasons you're going to immediately assume when I explain (laughs) it. So basically, in the game, you play as Sora and you play as Riku, going through the same worlds. You can switch between characters at any time. But also you have this drop meter, which slowly depletes as you go on. And you take damage, it depletes faster, and certain traps just deplete the drop meter. But you get better drops. I'm not sure if it's an intentional pun or not. The lower the drop meter gets. And when you run out- Like enemy loot drops? Yes. Okay. When the drop meter runs out, you get 30 minutes of overtime before you're forced to switch. And the other character has to, you have to play the other character for a little while. You don't have to because you can switch characters at any time. But one of the things that drops are these things that I, I can't... It's a currency. I can't actually remember what it's called. It might be droplets, but I think it had a better name than that. <laughs> and you can buy buffs that last until you switch characters with those when you switch. So if you so switch immediately, then you don't get any of those buffs. Okay. No, you don't really lose any progress when you switch either. The only thing is if you're in a boss fight, the boss fight restarts when you go to the other one. But the drop meter is long enough that, like, I could always just be like, well, I'm going to drop intentionally because I can't finish this boss in time. So the problem, I think, with it is the two characters are almost indistinguishable from one each other. One yeah, another. I was wondering. That doesn't really help You matters. share inventory. You share, uh, like, level up progress. You share abilities. There is a very small handful of things that are individual to each character, but not enough that they really feel different. What's the point of having two different characters, then? Uh, They do have different stories. So like from a narrative standpoint, it makes sense. And I do think they could have done some, I think it's possible to do some interesting things where you experience the story in different ways, depending on how you advance with them. But that's why I would say it's a bad mechanic. It's really not much difference between the two characters. It does feel like narratively, there's kind of a point, but also it doesn't because the story's kind of weird and that Sora just ends up being a damsel in distress in it, really. And it's Riku's story, which is fine in, like, the meta story of Kingdom Hearts. That's the beat the story kind of needs. But it's also been four games since Sora's been a main character, so it (laughs) feels weird. 
Also, mm. this is overly critical of the story, but it's kind of a story where in the end, nothing happens. The good guys set out to do a thing. They are stopped by the villains setting out to do a thing, and they prevent the villains from doing the thing they wanted. So it kind of ends up at zero. <laughs> and like some characters definitely finish their arcs, which is interesting to see. But also, like there's no surprise. It's a lot of, this is what this character's clear arc is, and it's wrapped up here so that going into Kingdom Hearts 3, there's no tension to it. Which so, they kind of have to do. Yeah, but. so storytelling-wise, it feels weirdly like they're cleaning stuff up and setting up the board for Kingdom Hearts 3. And I don't hate that. Certainly, there are some good little bits to it. But at the end of the day, I just felt like, well, thank God I don't have to wait seven years for Kingdom Hearts 3 like the people who played <laughs> this game when it came out. <laughs> Was there anything between Dream Drop Distance and 3? There are two things between Dream Drop Distance and 3, and I played them both this week. Okay. The first is the mobile game. Which, <laughs> you're yeah, making an expression, Tyler. I was yawning. Oh, okay. That's the appropriate expression for this <laughs> mobile game. I mean, it's not the worst mobile game I've ever played, but it's pretty much just tapping some dudes. One of the problems is, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or not, but knowing I was going to play this, I installed it like eight months ago when I started this Kingdom Hearts adventure and have been accruing the login bonuses. And occasionally when it seems like they have a good summon deal or like a banner of a character I like, I would summon. So I am so powerful. Uh, compared to this four-year-old content I'm playing with, that I literally just kill things by walking up to them, uh, which obviously not the intended experience. But, <laughs> I mean, it's similar to in Dokkan Battle going through the early story mode missions, where you just raffle stomp them with your good team. And you're like, wow, this is a really easy game. But all I'm really interested in is the story stuff. So, like, I'm not doing the hard stuff. The story of it is pretty interesting. It's basically the Knights of the Old Republic equivalent to Kingdom Hearts. So nothing super relevant, but clearly they're setting up stuff that's going to pay off in three. And it is interesting backstory stuff. But ultimately, I decided that I was going to listen to this two hour podcast that covered the story of it while playing it instead of actually <laughs> playing through all the story. And that was going to be my commitment to uh, Union Cross. I am still playing it a little bit, just like bathroom breaks and stuff when I don't want to play Dokkan Battle. But like, it's pretty difficult to recommend unless you're already playing it and in super into Kingdom Hearts. It's not a terrible game. It has a lot of interesting like deck building mechanics similar to Dokkan Battle. I'm just not placing any of the challenging content. So those skills that transfer over aren't really tested at all. Gotcha. So you said you played the other one, though. Oh, so the other one is Kingdom Hearts 0.02 Fragmentary Passage. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can, can you say that title again? Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Fragmentary Passage. Okay. It's also technically Birth by Sleep, too, but the Birth by Sleep is like in little cursive in the heart in Kingdom Hearts, so that it looks like you can read it as Kingdom Hearts 0.2 or Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep 2, which is kind of cute, but not particularly useful. So, Fragmentary Passage is a very difficult game to come at from a critical perspective, because like, minute for minute, maybe the most fun Kingdom Hearts game. Huh. Clocks in at two and a half hours, and I was stuck on a puzzle that made me feel dumb for at least 15 minutes. Huh. So I, I assume this was not a, like, full release game, right? So it kind of was. It's on the Kingdom Hearts 2.8 package, which comes with Dream Drop Distance and an original movie that's a plot supplement to the mobile game. So all told, I got 21 hours out of that full game. You know, not the best, like, time to out investment, but at the end of the day, probably worth it. Especially because it's a tremendous amount of fun. The thing is, what it really is, people have called it like DLC for Dream Drop, which I understand because they're packaged together if you play them all on PS4. 
it's really more like the Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes to <laughs> the beginning to of Kingdom three. Hearts three. Yeah, because it's not. I don't want to say a tech demo for three because like there is actual game there, but most of it is this is what Kingdom Hearts three is going to be, and it's a tremendous amount of fun. My uh, feelings playing all the Kingdom Hearts games, playing all the like weird mid pulls between two and three. They're all interesting. How good they are varies. 3, and by extension, point oh two is very interesting, because at once it feels like they could have made this game immediately after 2, because of all the mechanics they've gone back to. But the more you play it, the more they realize they've taken just the best parts of all of those interquals and put them in here in, like, different and interesting ways. That's cool. Like, the wall kick and, like, motion mechanics from Dream Drop are in here. But they're enhanced, so like when you cast a blizzard spell, you create like a little like the area freezes and you can create little lines to grind on. Ah, uh, okay. I'm sold. <laughs> it's yeah. And like that's just one of the things. Um they've taken the like command system from Birth by Sleep. They actually haven't taken the command system, but they have taken the like style shift mechanics. So if you're using a bunch of spells and just keep hitting a guy, you turn into a power-up mode, basically, that's based on the styles from that. And, like, they've just taken little bits from everything and really woven them together in this super interesting way. And the combat's just super fun to play. It's really hard to describe, because what's good about it is game feel. The combos just really flow naturally. You could kind of mix your magic in to your combos in Kingdom Hearts 2, but it's 100% intended here. And you have, like, if you keep casting, say, fire over and over again, you'll do a fire combo. But also, the parts of that fire combo, if you do, like, say you do three regular attacks and then a fire attack, you would do the fourth bit of the fire combo. That's what I was hoping. So, like, it just flows really, really well. Like I said, it's hard to, like, kind of go critically at it because it's so short. It's really hard to say, oh, yeah, that's worth $60. But at the same time, I just, like, devoured it and it was a tremendous amount of fun. So I'm very, very excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. I haven't actually heard any critical reviews of it. I'm not sure how I avoided that. I don't know. I know exactly how I avoided any critical reviews of it. By not caring? Yeah. I actually kind of care, though, so I'm not sure how I didn't see anything. Like, I feel like no one was going out of their way. You don't consume a lot of games journalism, do you? Yeah, I mean, especially because you usually buy games or interact with games two to three years after they came out. I tend to keep on top of stuff, though, so that I know what games I want two to three years later. Yeah, all I heard about Kingdom Hearts 3 was that it feels weirdly old. And I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And no one seemed to, like, be able to land on that. I heard it released, but because I don't really care about Kingdom Hearts as a franchise, I never really went looking for anything. Although I have also generally been avoiding a lot of reviews except for games that might or may. I'm like, stuff I'm like, this is something I would be interested in, but it's not a rock-solid buy like Pokemon or Fire Emblem. It's something I'm interested in and might buy. Those are the ones I usually look at, but otherwise it's like I don't pay attention to reviews. The consensus is it's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, I've actually started Kingdom Hearts 3 because I'm not going to be able to pay attention to Fire Emblem until I'm through the Kingdom Hearts Hurricane, and it's just one game left to go, so I figure I might as well plunge in, but I will save talking about it for next week because I've pretty much just started it. So you said something that made me think of Metal Gear Survive. I forgot that was a game. Apparently it was awful. Uh, I heard it was surprisingly okay. Oh, no, it's got a 27% on Google and a, like, 
I heard a lot of critical reviews that our people are trashing this because it's not a Metal Gear game, and that makes sense. But we should, as journalists, be reviewing it as the game it is, I which do, is not a bad video game. I okay. do remember seeing a couple of things about, like, if you want a second save, that's ten more dollars. Yeah. No, I was mostly interested in it because of the uh, PvP elements in uh, Phantom Pain. And I'm like, this could be interesting, but I never saw how it turned out. So I completely forgot, speaking of Pokemon, a new trailer dropped. I don't know if either of you guys watched any of that. I did not. There it are, like Zach did. I didn't watch the trailer, but I did see a couple of the screenshots. They're bringing back the regional variants again. Yep. I am really digging that. And they're not just Gen 1 Pokemon, and they're giving some not Gen 1 Pokemon additional evolutions. That's cool. Lanoon got one. Yeah, Lanoon oh, turns not, into a werewolf. I'm a little sad that it's Lanoon is going to be another normal dark because it's just following in the in the blend of that Rattata. I mean, but, it looks rad as heck though. So also oh, it we looks get really cool. We get uh Weezing, Long Weezing. I was gonna say Weezing Dimadone, Ome of the Dimsdale Dimadome, <laughs> or alternatively Classy Bong. Uh, he's got like giant. It's like a smokestack head, but it also it's intended to look also like a hat, and also he's got a sweet mustache. There's a hamster that has two forms. One of its forms is hangry mode. That is the official English translation, <laughs> is hangry mode. And he has a hamster wheel attack. It's great. Your rivals look great. You got douchebag rival. He's actually a douchebag. Oh, it's that's great. That's what Pokemon's been missing for the last 20 years. So. <laughs> and also, like goth girl rival with like a weirdly irate fan club and they appear to be team skull but basically they just follow her around because they're her groupies but are they disenfranchised millennials like team skull were yes actually (laughs) uh except they're 80s punk movement in britain inspired so (laughs) so that's a game i'm looking forward yeah me too it's looking pretty good so speaking of pokemon the assignment has animals in it we played jazz jackrabbit for pc in the 90s yeah, it I, was a freeware game way I back in the day. I could see Jazz Jackrabbit being a type of Pokemon, although he'd probably be more of a Digimon. That is true. Uh, his early designs are way more Rambo. Like, he had, like, a big heavy brow and, like, a giant chest and stuff. So my immediate impression of Jazz Jackrabbit was like, oh, maybe this is going to be, like, Earthworm Jim. I hope not. And then <laughs> I got, briefly, when I saw the controls, very excited of, hey, maybe this is going to be, like, Contra. And nope. <laughs> there's definitely some Contra influence on it. Cliff Blazinski. Is that how you say the guy's name? I believe yeah, so. Yeah, it's Blazinski. Gears of War slash Epic Guy. This is one of his very early works. And he's been clear in interviews that his two big influences were Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man. And he didn't feel the platformer genre had any representation on PC. So it was a market he could tap into. I mean, he's not inherently wrong, but at the same time, having played this on a keyboard, I don't think it does real well on a keyboard. Yeah, that's one of the reasons the games didn't show up there. There's some accounting for that, but I think it ends up making the game worse. Uh, So imagine Sonic the Hedgehog. Now imagine he was kind of a puke green rabbit, and he had a gun. That's Jazz Jackrabbit. I mean, and had a gun. (laughs) He's not wrong. Also, he accelerates much, much faster, which is what you think you want, but it's a monkey's paw wish, because that just means the screen goes into blurry, give you a headache, you can't tell what's going on mode. Much, you, much faster. Yeah, and you probably just ran into something because of how quickly it scrolls. Like, I never thought, playing Sonic, that it was moving too fast. Even when you got up to speed, Sonic never felt like he was moving too fast. Jazz here felt like he moved way too fast. They do account for that, like Jeremy said. There's a mechanic where you can press T on the keyboard. for and go the into default, slow mode. And go into a slow motion mode, and that makes the game actually playable. 
Because uh, otherwise, like when it, before I realized I could push that one, because initially I thought it was under a like a like a Max Payne thing where it was limited. Gotcha. And then I found out it wasn't. I had been just tapping. Move forward a little bit. Move forward a little bit. Move forward a gotcha. little bit. Gotcha. <laughs> because moving too fast ended up getting me killed. So I was moving very slowly to avoid that because I couldn't see what was coming up if I just held it down. So the game is a fairly heavily exploration-based platformer. You do have time limits on levels, kind of Mario style. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but what I was actually going to say, when I was talking about it accounting for that in certain ways, what I really meant is this is a platformer with no death pits. You cannot fall to your death in this video game. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's also true, which does play into the uh, exploration exploration bit. Unlike Sonic, though, you have a health bar, so you can't just, like, keep picking up a single ring and become mortal in that manner. Although, if you Um, pick up carrots, you will get more health. Yep. There's a lot of random collectibles in this, and some of them are this controller that I think they must have, like, done a tie-in with. It's a Super Nintendo controller. It's not. Well, it looks like one. It's with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one of those. But they're dependent on level. The first level, you get save icons, and that level, you get the Nintendo controllers, and the next level, you get microchips. And calling them collectibles is really generous, because what they are is score. Yep. They increase your score. And like a lot of games of this vintage, like, score just feels meaningless, because there's no point to it. It's not like Coins in Mario, where you can get an extra life, or Rings in Sonic, where they are your life. They're just here to be collected. Didn't you get an extra life in Sonic if you got 100, 100 rings as well? No, you don't. It seems like you should. But you do, bonus levels do get unlocked by how many rings you have. So that's what incentivizes you to collect a bunch of rings in Sonic. Also, obviously, the you get more life. I mean, I believe you. Just, for whatever reason, I was thinking that. But I must be transposing the uh, coins from Mario into Sonic. Or Donkey Kong or like any other thing where you have to collect 100. But I feel like the reason that you conflate that with Sonic and Mario is I feel like those are the two that are good at actually making you want to collect them. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with the sound effect. Both the coin sound effect and the ring sound effect are very, very good. I don't um, believe there is a sound effect for collecting them in this in jazz here. There's a little bit of one, but it's like a goo. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm going to go and make a ROM hack of this game where that's just the noise it makes. <laughs> Um, there's also, like, you also can pick up different kinds of guns here. For, like, that's another major pickup. It's just, they didn't feel different. Yeah, they all have limited ammo outside of your normal gun. But enemies pretty much die in the same number of hits to all the different guns. And they're a little bit visually distinct. There's one that's two rockets that fires at kind of a different angle. But the way enemies are designed, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there's also one that's kind of like a landmine, yeah, almost? Oh, it's like a grenade, was more yeah. like, like, it takes a second to explode, but I can't imagine any situation where you'll, we'd want that. And Tyler said it was kind of explory, which is true, but I find it to be more maze-like. Again, in interviews, Cliff, I'm going to use his first name just because I can't use his last name, or not on a first name basis. Cliffy B. Talked about how he designed it such, similar to Sonic, actually, that there were pits, they just weren't death pits, they just sent you on longer paths. So, like, if you're playing it at max speed and you're hitting all the jumps, you will finish the level faster. Whereas if not, you'll get kind of lost and find all these power-ups. So, to me, it didn't spell explore. It felt mazy. And to be fair, I never really... I always felt lost, but it's not like I kept, like, coming back to the same place and couldn't figure out how to advance. I just didn't feel like there was any sense of progression. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't have a sense of progress. It's really hard to feel a sense of progress, especially because a lot of them depending on where you ended up, sent you backwards for a little while. 
And just talking about game feel stuff, coming back to those coins. In Sonic, when you finish a level, you run through the sign, and that causes it to spin really fast. In Jazz, you have the exactly the same signs, but you shoot them. And that just kind of brings the level to a dead stop. There's not much fanfare or <laughs> and, anything. Um, at least I'm in my experience, I first ran through the checkpoint sign, didn't realize I had to shoot the checkpoint sign in order to trigger it, died, and didn't get the checkpoint, because the only way to and get it And then you're like, what the hell, man? Yeah, because it's like, what? You, you touched it, which is what you have to do in literally every other platformer. Well, you have to shoot anything, because it's like, gun is your interact button as well, which is... I mean, at once, okay, but at the same time, I touch the checkpoint. Why do I have to do anything else? Also, there are no bosses, which just gives the game a real monotonous feel, because there's no differences in kind. There's no challenges where you have to get through a bunch of platforms. There's no, like, gauntlets of enemies, and there's no boss battles. It's always just kind of getting through this maze where maybe there will be a turtle in your way. I thought it was just that for the first couple levels I played didn't happen to have a boss. There, there is one, one eventually, but he's in like chapter four or something. And also there's an end boss, but... Okay, I didn't get to a boss. I did not care. Uh, neither did I. I just read about it. Also, going back to the keyboard controls not being great. Uh, like most platformers, if you hold the jump button, you'll jump higher. However, if you land while holding the jump button, you will jump again. Which makes trying to get up on platforms infuriating, because you have to hold it long <laughs> enough to get on them, but let go of it before you hit the platform or you'll immediately jump again. Which will almost definitely throw you off. Yeah, um, it's... Uh, there's a lot of little things that just, they don't quite line up to make it feel satisfying to interact it's with. It's not super polished, I think is the, the problem. The visuals are nice, but like it kind of feels like they just made something and said, eh, this is functional. Everything's slightly off kilter by just a little bit, and it just adds up to make the whole thing kind of a mess. Yeah, I was going to say one of the problems with like the fact that you accelerate and move so quickly is the screen size is still really small. And when you run into enemies, you get knocked back quite a bit, and they do quite a bit of damage, and you can't see them coming a lot of the time. Like, it's a bunch of little things that they could have taken care of that I think would have helped a lot. Yeah, I definitely see where the idea of the game came from. When we were first doing our video game list, I wanted to put Mega Man above Mario, and we ended up doing it. Because in my opinion, Mega Man's verbs were better than Mario's, because he had that gun, which gave him a lot more ways to interact with enemies. I don't know if I would still make that decision now. But Cliff was basically thinking, hey, wouldn't Sonic be better if you had this gun to interact with? But he didn't actually learn any of the lessons of Mega Man, because the enemies aren't interesting, and the encounter design isn't there. Yeah, they're not really made to be encountered with that. Not in a... Like, normally we complain that you don't have the tool set to deal with things in poorly designed platformers. In this, the enemies don't have a tool set to deal with you. That's really the problem. It's actually weird because you're actually kind of overpowered for yeah. the challenge, which is not a problem you usually run into. I mean, there are a couple of them, like the bees, which are slightly off kilter, but at the same time... There are so few of them in there in the game as well that the enemies are. So, like, encountering one should be a bigger deal. But since they die in one hit, they're pretty easy to see. So, see, it's like they they design them around you being at blinding speed where you can't see them coming anyway. Because the enemies don't do anything, really. Yeah, they're, they're kind of just cannon fodder. The only way they're really dangerous is if you literally run into them. And you probably will because you can't see. And it just has a lot of the same problems I felt the first Sonic did. My biggest problem with the first Sonic is oftentimes you will miss a jump and you will fall, but instead of dying, you just end up at the bottom where you have to start over again, which is super frustrating. And Jazz doesn't quite have that, but it had a really similar feel with the way I was getting lost. 
Because in the same way as Sonic, it just felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Even though in Jazz I was, and in Sonic I wasn't, it felt more like I was making progress in Sonic because I knew what I needed to do. Yeah, and this has a lot more like vertical and back and forth exploration than Sonic does. Sonic, you generally just go right. There is some up and down in Sonic, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, like there's a lot more a matter of paths. Yeah, and it feels a lot more of a mastery thing. If you're good, you can hit those upper paths and move a lot quicker. I think that's true in jazz too. I agree. But jazz is just so much looser that it doesn't feel as good to be good at it. And they're very clearly mimicking Sonic. There are even 3D bonus levels. The music is kind of this like weird acid jazz thing that I hated at first, but it did start to grow on me. Level two feels like Chemical Plant to me, just visually and musically. Yeah, I will say this game has pretty good music, and it looks pretty good. The, it's the, okay. Yeah, it's okay. I don't uh, like the aesthetic at all, but I will am willing to say that's my taste, not necessarily that it's bad. I mean, I thought the aesthetic was kind of charming. It's just a shame the gameplay sucked. Yeah. That's mostly where I was. I like the flavor of this game a fair amount. I like the, like, tortoise and hare thing that they're kind of doing. It's a fun joke. Um, It just doesn't hold up the rest of the kind of haphazardly slapped-together mechanics. Any other final thoughts on this game? Eh, It was okay. I think I still maintain I like it better than the original Sonic. It's not the worst. But we'll talk about that. It's not the worst platformer we've ever played. It's also a far cry from the best. Yeah, like... Like I said, it's probably not going to make it into the top half of the list. We shall see, but... So speaking of the list, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the top is Chrono Trigger, which controls much better than this. At the bottom is City Connection, which might also actually control better than this. I think I agree. It's definitely a worse game. And instead in the center is Kirby's Dreamland, which controls pretty fine. I want to just start with Sonic the Hedgehog, but Zach didn't play it, and Tyler and I are split on it, so... We are. I mean, you could try to make an argument to me, but, like, I think Sonic is more at odds with itself than this game is. So I'll just scroll up to Sonic 3. Are we in agreement it's worse than Sonic 3? Yeah. Yes. Well, that was easy. Okay, ranking done. So I would argue this is worse than any Mega Man game we've played. Uh, The one that might test that is Mega Man 2 for Game Boy. I have a weird soft spot for that game because I actually have a physical card of it, but... Again, like, the encounter design, I feel, is more solid. You get in a room and you see the enemies and you know what you're supposed to do. Well, the enemies are more interesting to interact with in that, too. Zach looks like he's thinking or he's staring at a bee that's about to come sting us. (laughs) But I think I agree with you on that one, though. No, I think I agree as well. I was was trying to think of it, but... uh... I can't come up with like anything I think Jazz does better than Mega Man 2 on Game Boy, and I don't like Mega Man 2 on Game Boy. It's got shootier guns. Arguably, no, it has shootier guns. Speaking of Game Boy platformers, how do we think it compares to Donkey Kong Land? Which is another game where the visuals are a problem because everything kind of blends in. It's not the same problem as Jazz Jackrabbit, but to me it actually ends up having a similar feel. That's I, the, like, black and white Donkey Kong country, basically. Yeah. I, I think I think Donkey Kong's a little bit more playable because Jazz Jazz just moves too fast. He's too hyper. Um, I actually prefer Jazz Jackrabbit, but... I'm gonna say, I think I agree with Zach. I think it goes about here, but I think Donkey Kong Lion's just a little better, which does mean it is gonna go below the original Sonic the Hedgehog. It, it is in this neighborhood. So, I was saying, I think this is worse than every Mega Man game we've played. (laughs) The bottom Mega Man game on our list is Mega Man 3 for Game Boy. So, I honestly can't remember which one this is. It's the one... (laughs) It's got Pharaoh Man? It does, and it's black and white. Yeah, no, it's the Game Boy one that has Pharaoh Man, right? Yeah. 
Um, I can't remember. This yeah, this game. one was really forgettable. Okay, let's let's ignore that now because directly below Mega Man Three is a game I'm sure you both remember, which is Cybernator, which is the one where you are a Gundam side scrolling yep. and shooting. I, I do remember that one. Yeah, and I, and prefer- I in a heartbeat would prefer to play Cybernator to just really, although like. I kind of would, but that second level of Cybernator is just so, just about impossible. Ridiculous. That's um, true. Yeah, I was going to say, I prefer the aesthetic of Cybernator a lot. I think I would prefer to play Jazz Jackrabbit, though. I think I might as well. Okay, so right above Mega Man 3, we have Wonder Boy and Monster Land, which is the one with the RPG mechanics that also has the timer, which makes it kind of frustrating. I'm definitely on the Wonder Boy camp, but I think I want to put this game lower than either of you so i'm also on the wonder boy camp though because that was I'd a back, really interesting game I'd, I'd back you guys I'd, I'd assist in that party in the wonder boy camp so now we're right back where we started the final question is it better or worse than mega man 3 for <laughs> game boy i'm gonna say better because i can't really remember mega man 3 i'm gonna say worse because like i said i just think mega man games do encounter design so much better than this i yeah. can't put it below it and that might be an argument enough to sway me except i can't remember a single thing about <laughs> I this can't game remember a single i I had forgotten we played Mega Man 3 Me for too. Game Boy. So I'm going to cede to Jeremy's judgment because he can clearly remember the game and I can't. All right. That is as good a reason as mine. So- <laughs> so, all right. So Jazz Jackrabbit will go at number 198 above Cybernator and below Mega Man 3 for Game Boy. Cool. Hey, Jeremy, what are we doing next week? I was actually really considering picking Mega Man 4 for Game Boy. It's about <laughs> Mega Man time for us. But I want to play Kingdom Hearts 3 really bad. And, and Mega Man might be too meaty. Yeah, I also would want to play Mega Man. And also, this actually wouldn't affect it because it's a 3DS game, but my brother has my Wii U right now. So I was looking at stuff not on the Wii U we could play. That would be fast. So would you guys prefer to play a fighting game or a puzzle game? Ooh. Ooh. Um, I think I'm in a puzzly mood. Eh. Okay, so I recently listened to an older episode of Retronauts, because I'm way behind on it, where they did an interview with the now-defunct Two Tribe Studios that was just one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever heard. It was kind of about how them conning their way into the game industry in this interesting <laughs> way. And their first game was a Game Boy Color game called Toki Tori. Oh, hey, I've heard of this. puzzle game. Uh, you can get it on the 3DS Virtual Console, or there's also a version on Steam or the Switch. It's an updated version. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the original or if I'm just going to play the Switch one because it's easier. But next time on Last Time, Puzzle Birds. This has been a last podcast production, copyright 2019.